so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Um, as a younger Christian, and um, uh, it still is today, a, a song called What a Friend by um, a band called Delirious uh, was, was a really um, significant song for me. Um, and as, as whenever I mention a song, I'll spare you me singing it, but I'll just read the words. Uh, the first verse of that song says, What a friend I've found, closer than a brother. I have felt your touch more intimate than lovers. The chorus says, Jesus, 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 friend forever. The second verse says, What a hope I've found, more faithful than a mother. It would break my heart to ever lose each other. And so this morning, as, as a, a title for my message, what we're calling this morning more uh, faithful uh, like a mother, but I, I want to grab that phrase, more faithful than a mother. Uh, as we think about Mother's Day and as we, we honour our mothers, uh, I, I want to think about the picture that they give us of God. God is faithful like a mother. In fact, God is more faithful than a mother. And that's significant not because mothers aren't very faithful. That's significant because mothers are such an enormous picture of faithfulness and dedication. It's significant because the Bible places such a high regard on womanhood and motherhood. At times we might misunderstand the context, you know, several thousand years later removed, and we might think that, you know, the biblical times were very, uh, you know, the man was the boss and the women come down here, but that's not really reading it in context. Uh, I remember seeing a, a meme, a picture with words on the internet, and it said um, that uh, when, when I tell people I'd love to marry a biblical woman, they, they kind of think Proverbs, uh, what is it, the last chapter of Proverbs? Number 31, sorry, yep. Um, but what I actually mean is that they're prepared to um, drive a tent peg through the, through the head of the enemies of God if the, if the circumstances arise. Speaking back to judges, that the picture of womanhood uh, and motherhood in the Bible is broad, but honouring and in high regard. And so for God to be more faithful than a mother is not that like mothers aren't that faithful, so God's, it's an easy win for God. It's, it's a high bar for God to call himself more faithful than a mother. Um, before we get to that idea of motherhood this morning, I want to go back to the, the very beginning of womanhood, uh, to the very start, to creation. And I want to ask the question, why did God create Eve? You can think about it in your own head. What's the, what's the response that comes to mind? Um, you might not you know, be familiar with that passage of the Bible. I'm not trying to shame you for that in any sense. But but. What answer comes to your mind when you think about why did God create Eve? A support to Adam. A, support to Adam, a, a helper for Adam. And that's, that's often where our, our minds go. Is God you know, saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And, and so you know, he, he found no uh, appropriate relationship amongst all the other creatures of creation. And so he made Eve to be a helper for Adam. But, but I would suggest, and that's not wrong, but I would suggest that, that I go there too, but that's to confuse process with purpose. I, I want to draw us back before that process is outlined by God to, to Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 to 27, to talk about purpose. 
a deeper level of purpose. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in, his imi- in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. And so yes, God uh, says he created uh, Eve to be a helper for Adam, but that's by no means a, a, a lesser role. The same language in Hebrew is used of the Holy Spirit uh, that, that is throughout Scripture affirmed over and over again as fully God and fully equal with God. And, and so often we, that's our first thought is, well, God created Eve to be a helper for Adam. But, but I suggest that Genesis 1 trumps Genesis 2, not that they're in conflict with one another, but that the primary purpose, the, the overarching purpose of humanity is to be image bearers of God, both male and female. There's something about the identity of God that requires male and female to express it. Not half of each, not that I'm half the image of God and and that a, a woman is half the image of God, but there's something about the nature of God that is more fully expressed in creating male and female. Genesis Two that talks about uh, Eve being a helper tells us that, that we as humans are created for relationship, we're created for uh, community, we're created for interdependence and, and, and so one of the relationships in which that is worked out is between a husband and a wife but it's also worked out in, in family, in friendship, uh, in church community. It's, it's not good for humanity to be alone. We are created for relationship. Yet both male and female fully express together the image of God. And so what that means is that when we silence the female voice, when we silence the female influence or presence, we lose something of the fullness of the perspective of who God is. When we silence the female voice, influence, presence, perspective, we lose something of the the fullness of the perspective of who God is. And sadly, the church has been... Uh, quite effective in certain seasons, in certain places of doing just that. Women are image bearers of God's identity in creation. And that's where we need to begin with our thoughts of motherhood. Now this is not a threat to healthy masculinity. Uh, Men should feel in no way diminished when we affirm the place of women in creation. Women are image bearers of God's identity. And so as a church, you know, on behalf of the church as we stand here, and this isn't specifically about our church, but I know our church in seasons has been a part of this, uh, uh, there's a need for us to repent as we think about the place we've given women in the life of the church and a need for us to affirm that that's not what we believe God's intent is. And so I want to pause here and pray before we go on to, to motherhood and God's faithfulness. I want to pause here and pray again. Is it still okay, Carl, if we pray even more? Yep. Um, into this space for healing for those who've been hurt, uh, who've been felt silenced, uh, who felt rejected because of their gender. 
Um, and that we as a church would see in both men and women the fullness of God's identity and image made, made in the image of him. And so, Father, we do pray for those here this morning or who will hear this message in other uh, facets that, um, especially for women who have, um, in the name of the church, been silenced, been pushed aside. Uh, we repent and acknowledge that as the church... We have done that. And so I pray for healing. I pray for, um, for wholeness. And I pray for wholeness in the image of God that is represented in this church family. That as both male and female uh, together worship you, that we would see a fullness of the image of God. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us as we seek to do uh, just that. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so in Isaiah 49, because of the high value of, of the scripture placing that the high value scripture places on women and, and, and the higher regard for motherhood in Isaiah chapter 49, which was what uh, Annabelle read for us this morning, it, motherhood is God's go-to image of his own faithfulness. Uh, over and over again, uh, God is represented in Scripture as Father and, and that communicates so much about his identity that, that he is a father, he is a provider. There, there's so much about that that is, is about God that he, he represents himself as Father but we know in Scripture that God is not a man. And, and so when it comes in Isaiah chapter 49 for God to speak with his people uh, that about uh, his faithfulness to them. Motherhood is his go-to image. In Isaiah 49, 13 and 14 it says, Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. And so Zion is in this place, of course, Isaiah is, is uh, both prophetically speaking into and at the same time telling the story of the exile, that God's people were unfaithful to God and so as a consequence they were exiled from the promised land that they might be uh, refined and restored and ultimately they returned to the promised land and so this is where we're getting into in Isaiah that Jesus might be born through that nation to be the saviour of the world. But in this moment... Their hearts are saying, we've been forsaken. We've been forgotten. God has forgotten about us. And so it raises the question for us about where we're at in our lives or where we've been. Who has ever felt forsaken or forgotten? You are very blessed indeed if there's never been a season in your life that you've not felt forsaken. That's rejected. Or forgotten. Sometimes it's hard to tell which one hurts worse, whether it's that active forsaking or rejecting, or whether it's that they don't even, <laughs> they've forgotten all about you. You're not even on their radar to forsake or forget. That's what Israel is feeling in this moment. Even David. Himself has been there in Psalm 22. He, he talks about being forsaken from God and then Jesus on the cross in, in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 34. He, he says these words to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Even Jesus, our Saviour, fully God, can identify with this experience of being forsaken, being rejected, being forgotten. But God's heart in this space in Isaiah is to affirm to his people that he has not done that. That the Lord has not forsaken them, has not forgotten them. And so this is where it goes to the image of motherhood. In verse 15, the first half of that, he says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And so God answers their claims of being forgotten, of being forsaken, of being rejected by saying, presenting to them the image of motherhood and saying, can a mother forget? Mothers are such an amazing example of faithfulness that God goes here, not to the familiar image of fatherhood, but to, to motherhood to demonstrate to his people that he cannot forget that he is faithful. Mothers and fathers are both extremely important, but there's some key differences, uh, biologically speaking, between a mother and a father. A, a child grows within a mother's body. I dearly love my children, but I have not had that experience. And so God is essentially saying, can a mother forget the child growing within her womb? I think the image here is not of like early stage pregnancy, but of late stage kicking and fighting, let me out pregnancy. This is an experience I've had from the outside. I've been able to place my hand on my wife's uh, stomach as she's been pregnant uh, and, and feel from the outside that kicking of knowing that my child is in there. But I can go away and, and I'm not as conscious of that throughout the day. I, I'm busy, and I, I do, but a mother can't forget because it's on the inside that that child is kicking. And from testimony of mothers, it's when that child is not kicking that you're even more conscious of, well, are you still there, Bob? This is what God is saying of his faithfulness to his people. Can a mother forget a child in her womb? That is growing within her. And then the other image is if a child being nourished from a mother's body. Saying, can a, can a mother forget the child that is feeding at her breast? I know it's a very exhausting season of life. You might doze off, but from the testimony of mothers that I've heard, it's, you're so conscious of that child that it's not that you'll forget the child's there feeding, it's more that you'll wake up at other times when the child's not there and think, oh, Where's he gone? Where's she gone? And so as much as fathers are called to love their children, there's such a valuable role for fatherhood and, and none of this diminishes that role. There's differences in the, the biological experience of motherhood that mean it's far more impossible for a mother to forget. Even once that experience of growing within the womb, even once that experience of, of, of feeding from her own body is over, it's impossible. Far more so than a mother than a father for a mother to forget. Can a mother forget? There's a different type of connection. There's a different type of faithfulness. And we know that not all mothers are perfect. This is not um, a sanctification of every mother in the world. We know that 
that mothers are human and mothers can fail. But I think it's these connections that are a big part of why we often talk about a crisis in our community of fatherhood, but less often of motherhood. And that's not to say that, that all mothers are perfect, that all mothers are healthy and whole and great mothers. But I think it's this deep, intimate connection that mothers have that, that makes that less of a thing, less often, in our community. That's, again, not a diminishment of fatherhood. And so mothers, as they bear the image of God, women, as they bear the image of God, are image bearers of the faithfulness of God. This is where he goes, that, 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 that the impossible thought of a mother forgetting her children. God wraps himself in that thought and says, it's impossible for me to forget you. The impossible thought of a mother forsaking her children, God wraps himself in that thought and says, I am as that to you. Just as a mother doesn't forget her child, God will not forget us because we were born from within his womb so to speak. It was he that brought us to life. It is he that nourishes us. And so God says to his people, he said, you've forsaken me, you've forgotten about me, God. He says to his people that I'm like a mother to you. How could I possibly forget about you? And then he goes on in the second half of verse 15 and on into 16 to say that he's not just as faithful as a mother, he's even more faithful than a mother. He goes on to say that though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, your walls, that is the walls of Jerusalem, of Zion, are ever before me. And so God is saying that essentially mothers are human. And in that, mothers are fallen, just like everyone else. And, and it is conceivable that a human mother can fail, like we all do. It is conceivable that, that some of us haven't had amazing experiences. And this is not, um, love you, Mum. Happy Mother's Day. This is not me saying my experience wasn't amazing. But some of us haven't always had the greatest experience of motherhood. And so God is saying, even if a mother can fail in this faithfulness space, I can't. God is more faithful than even a mother. He's more faithful than even his own go-to image of what faithfulness looks like. He's more faithful than even that. He has borne us, he has nourished us, and he says, I've engraved you upon the palms of my hands. The literal meaning of the Hebrew here is to cut. I've cut you into my hands. And I love the beautiful imagery of this. If we think about Jesus as been the... Uh, the incarnation, the embodiment and fleshment of God on earth, that if we think about us, his people, been engraved in the palms of his hands and then what happened to those hands, that they were spread wide and nailed to the cross, that he bore us engraved on his hands as the saviour of the world, as those same hands were pierced and pinned to the cross. And so he's saying... I won't forget you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail. Because God is saying, I am faithful like a mother. But even more faithful than that. Even beyond that of a mother. Even beyond that of the most amazing mothers we've ever experienced and encountered. God is even more faithful than a mother. 
And he longs for you to let him love you. He longs for you to let him love you intimately and tenderly. Just as a mother would long to let her children love them intimately and tenderly. And so Jesus himself has this um, motherhood image when he comes to speak of his love and affection for uh, his people. And again, this is talking of Jerusalem as emblematic of God's Old Testament people, uh, the Jews, but also of his, his New Testament people, his, his church. In, in Luke chapter um, 13, verse 34, Jesus as well goes to a motherhood image. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and who stone those who sent you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. And so Jesus says, how long have I longed to gather you as a hen? Now this is a motherhood image. Uh, for, for those who didn't grow up on a chook farm like me, hens are the female chooks. They're the ones who have... The babies. They're the mothers. And so Jesus himself, when he, when he wants to communicate his compassion, his love, his faithfulness, his dedication to his people, he goes to a motherhood image, that of a hen. And he, he says, how long have I longed to gather you up under my wings? Now this is something that hens will do for, for warmth for their little chicks, that they will gather them up uh, under their wings to protect them and provide them with body warmth when they're tiny. Because little chicks are teeny tiny and it doesn't take much for them to die of the cold. And so hens will gather up their chicks under their wings. They'll also do that if there's a threat. That they are so dedicated to the task of protecting uh, their chicks that they will cover their chicks with their body even if it costs them their own life. They're, they're very dedicated mothers. They will fiercely at times attack a predator that comes anywhere near their chicks. When they're walking along, they'll, they'll, they'll cluck, just as they clucked when they, when they sat on their brood of eggs. They'll cluck. And this is so that their chicks can follow the hen's voice, just as Jesus says to us in the image of shepherd, my sheep know my voice. And so they follow me. And so in this image, we are like the little chicks. And, and Jesus is saying, my, my chicks, no, my clucks, and they'll follow me. How long have I longed to gather you up intimately under the protection and affection of my wings? How, how much do I long to fiercely protect you from your enemies? But the pain, you can almost hear the pain in his voice here. This is him journeying towards the cross. This is as he set his face towards Jerusalem. You can hear the pain in his voice. At least I can from my coffee-stained Bible. But you would not let me. You would not let me. And so my one, I guess if you want to call it an application point this morning, is simply to let him love you. Let him comfort you. Let him heal you. Let him free you. 
because he's more faithful than a mother and he longs to love you and care for you and tend to you. He longs for intimate relationship with you. Today is a day where, as I kind of reflected on as I prayed earlier, it's a day of celebrating our mothers, but it's also a day that can be painful for some, whether they've lost their mothers, whether they desired to be mothers and have not been able to be, uh, whether they have... um, not a great relationship with their mothers. Or perhaps for mothers who don't have great relationships with their children. It can be a day of pain for some. And so I would give you the same encouragement in that space to let God love you. To let him be as a hen gathering you up under his wings. Saying, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forsaken you. Even if a mother can, I can't. He's gone that one step further, or a million steps further. He's engraved us on the palms of his hands and allowed those hands to be nailed to the cross for our sake. And so my encouragement today is to let him love you. So we're going to get our team to come up and sing. Uh, I'm going to pray. I don't know what song we're singing. I didn't ask before. Forever Rain. Um, I'm going to encourage the worship team. Um, contrary to my normal form, I'm finished a little bit earlier this morning. Um, and so before we start to sing um, the words of the song, I just want to encourage our team to play uh, gently um, and I'm going to pray and then I just encourage you to sit in this space and just allow God to love you. He might have a word for you, a word of encouragement. He might just want you to hear those words from Scripture, I cannot forget you. I will not forsake you. He might like for you to feel just the warmth of his embrace under his wings. He might like for you to know that when you're threatened, he will fiercely defend you. He might have something else to affirm to you, but I just encourage you, after I've prayed and as the team play for four or five minutes, just to sit in this space to invite the Holy Spirit to come and let him love you. And so, Father, once again, I thank you for our earthly mothers. We thank you that they gave us life through their bodies, that they nourished us. We thank you for the love and care and faithfulness that they've given us. We pray that both for our, about our biological mothers, but also the, the spiritual mothers, the women of this church family that provide a mother's heart, provide us with a fuller picture together with manhood of the image of God. And so we come before you now, we thank you for that image of motherhood that you could use it to demonstrate to us how faithful you are. That you, as the words of that song says, are even more faithful than a mother. 
if we could comprehend that. And so, Father, we come before you now. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come before you now. We want to let you love us. We don't want to be as Jerusalem, who you longed to gather up as a hen gathers up her chicks. We don't want to be like them and not allow you to. And so we submit to your love this morning. We invite you to come and speak over us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so let's just take four or five minutes just to dwell. To not think about what's next, where we got to rush off to, but just to dwell and let him love you.
some may we find and carve out moments in our life to simply let God love us. Yes, we're called to serve, to give, to do, to go and make disciples. We're called to action, not passivity. But Just as Jesus often withdrew to pray and commune with the Father, may we carve out space to simply let God love us. That's his greatest desire that he would be allowed to love us. And that we would be a part of drawing others into that space of letting God love them. Have their names been born on his nail scarred hands. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.